Hey, welcome to the Butterfly Empire. It is me, your Butterfly Queen. And we are here to cover something very, very special. Some of y'all may have heard of it. Some of y'all may have not. And that's okay, because that's why I'm here. I'm here to let you learn all about it. All the little nooks and crannies, and that is okay. So come in and join us on this butterfly empire. Here we go. So today we are here to cover the children under the house. Okay, some of y'all might want to go, you know, either stay here and listen to this and then watch it. But you should, you should really watch it on YouTube. It's actually a series. So it's pretty dang cool. I watched it uh, two or three days ago, so pretty much it's freaking like a serial killer hide body count kind of crap, but yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and give you the victims before I give you the story, then we can find out, because it's sometimes easier. We have Shelly Cameron, Wendy Peterson, Zach Hardy, Brad Landry, Mark Williams, Kate Jones. Ralph Kemp, Jared James, Mia Martinez, Adam Daniels, Sue, Wes, June, Linda, Christian, Gladys, and then our lovely stars, Mr. Clark and Ms. Clark, and then seven unnamed people. So, total of 25 people, 10 males, Eight females and seven victims of unknown gender. So, yeah. This is going to be fantastic. So come with me and you'll see a world of people killing other people. So it's pretty much a YouTube horror web series about the mysterious disappearance of several children in the Kate Crossing. So... Let's get this ball rolling as we join. Last week, I purchased a repossessed storage locker. Inside was an old desk, an outdated computer, and a filing cabinet. The letterhead, a few loose documents, read the office of Julia Liu. From what I find, she was a successful child therapist in Kate's Crossing from the late 70s to early 90s. Her obituary stated she died on December 18, 2015. At a glance, it seemed like a typical haul. Typical if not for the collections of audio tapes and a folder containing a collective of creepy children's drawings. Hidden in the false bottom of a desk drawer, the folder read Jessica Daniels, Summer of 1990. The following transcripts were taken from the tapes. The purpose of the recordings was to share the information with Dr. John Lee Black, in hopes to co-write a book based on Dr. Liu's patient. As a resident of his community, I thought it was necessary to share what I found on those tapes. Dr. Liu says to John, Hi John, million dollar idea. What if there's a way to share video or audio without waiting for a tape to arrive in the mail? Sounds to me like it would make this process a whole lot easier, right? Well, until then, you have to settle for second-hand tapes and poor copies of Jess's pictures. Anyways, as I said on the phone, we don't have a release from the family. 
they refused to have their likeness involved in any way. However, they did allow me to use some of Jessica's drawings. We will need to change their names when we get to the writing stage. Regardless, I think you'll see why I think this will make one hell of a book. So prior to our first session, each member of the family was given a standard questionnaire. The results are followed. The patient's name is Jessica Daniels, Jessica or Jess, as she prefers to be called, is a seven-year-old, normal birth, no complications, and no known medical issues. She is intelligent, sweet, friendly, and highly empathetic. The child was born in Houston, Houston, Texas, where she never had any issues socializing with peers or adults. Hmm. The Daniels family bought the old Clark house, beautiful home on the east side of the town. It's a little too secluded for my taste. I would much rather be surrounded by modern conveniences than trees, despite its remote location. I love how it's built up on the columns. If I recall, Mr. Clark, Mr. Clark used to keep his workshop in a space underneath the house. He made some of the ugliest birdhouses I have ever seen. If you remember, he used to give them away during Christmas. Now that I think about it, I believe a few are still hanging in my backyard. And of course, I'm sure you remember the Clarks from your time here. Sweet old couple, they owned Kate's Crossing's favorite little drive, the Burger Shack. Susan was always in front of the register while Frank cooked. I never saw either without a smile. I haven't been to the Burger Shack since the business changed ownership. A few of my patients have said it wasn't as good as, oh well. As far as the Clarks were contacted, they decided to give RV life a try. Okay, now we're gonna get into the details. Dr. Lee says, sorry to get off track. Anyways, according to her mother, Carol, it's her mother. Jess had a particularly tough time adjusting. Carol started to notice a change in her daughter's behavior. Not long after moving to the Kate's Crossing, things seemed to be taking a turn for the worse. Wednesday, June 13th, sometime after midnight, Jess ran into her parents' room, screaming. She claimed there were people living under the house. Carol dismisses this as a nightmare, but it started happening night after night after night until Jess finally refused to sleep in her own room. Carol moved the children's bed to the master bedroom with her, but she could wake it up saying the same thing. She could hear people talking under the floor. Carol made turn to note that Jess never had a problem sleeping in Houston. Adam, the child's father, thought Jess was too old to be sharing a bedroom with her parents, so he devised a simple solution to fix her problem. He brought the young girl into the house and attempted to show her that there was nothing she should be afraid of. According to Adam, the space was completely empty. However, Jess was convinced she saw someone or something. The young girl crawled into the ball and screamed until her voice came out. Gave out. She'd been mute ever since to that day. After a series of tests and multiple second options, no physical find anything wrong. There's nothing hindering Jess in speaking. Therefore, conclusions made in her condition is psychological. The drawings that I'm going to be sending you are currently her own form of communication. From observations and the questionnaire, I have a few additional thoughts on the other family members. Carol B. Daniels, she's the child's primary caregiver from what I can observe. She's a caring mother, but she's deeply resentful of her husband. Adam, for moving them to Houston. 
and Kate's Crossing. I believe Adam Daniels is having the most trouble coping with Jess's affliction. It's possible that he is using work to travel, dealing with the issues in his personal life. However, I believe he is a workaholic, workaholic prior to moving, and his lack of work-life balance has affected the entire family. Dean, her brother, typically early teen, he wasn't happy about the moving, but it seems to be adjusting adequately. As far as his parents know, he has seen or heard anything unusual. All right, John, call me after you had a chance to discuss this material. Love the talk strategy for the upcoming session with Jess. Hi, John. Session one went much like we expected. Jess was incredibly bashful when she entered my office. She ignored me for a good 25 minutes, but before actually acknowledging my presence, that's not the record, but it was pretty close. Jess spent the early part of the session playing with a few of the Lego pieces I keep in the corner of the office. They acted as sort of icebreakers. She built a little castle before finally knocking it over. I could tell she was looking for the next activity, so I asked her if she would like to color for me. She agreed. And then when I was attempting to get the young girl to communicate, it was slow going, but I think she'll be more willing to open up after a few more sessions. Now, let's continue to session one. Miss Miss Lou, hi Jess. My name is Miss Julia. How are you today? Jess writes, I'm okay. Have your mom and dad told you why you're here, Jess? The talk, I guess. So, how about we get to know each other? Would you like that? Jess writes, okay. What's your favorite food? Mine's spaghetti. Jess draws French fries. Yeah. I like french fries too. What's your favorite color? Mine is green. Jess writes blue. I like that color too. How about you tell me about your family? Jess. Sorry, sweetie. Not now. We'll play when I get home. That's supposedly the dad. And the mom, Carol... She drew her mom saying, I hate it here. Why do we have to come here? You spend more time at work. Kids miss you. You work all day. Oof. My brother's kind of mean. He always tells me to get out of my room and it makes me sad. Miss Lou right, says, so why are you frowning? In that picture, Jess has no reply. Okay, can you tell me who this is? No reply. Okay, it's a teddy bear. Did your mom get that for you? No, he belongs to my friend. Well, that's very sweet. Can you tell me more about your friend? Side note. I want to make a special note here, John. Just started, stared in the four corner of the room. As somebody was there, her eyes grew wide. And not it's like she gave me the impression that she was acting for permission. The young girl frowned as her shoulders slumped. Then finally, she turned to me and shook her head in the negative. Is someone here, Jess? Is that a friend in the corner? Reductantly, she shakes her head in affirmation. Note. She drew a face in darkness. 
looks at Jess has imaginary friend. What's their name? Maybe we can play together. Note. She no longer wants to participate with the questions at this point regardless. I thought this was a decent first recession. Let's try to talk by the end of the week. End of session one. As expected, session two was a little more successful than session one. I feel Jess wants to communicate, but she just needs a little bit more time. Which is understandable. Going forward, I will continue to allow her to play with games and toys at the beginning of the session. After she lets her guard down, I will then switch to the problems at hand. Session 2. Hey Jess, how are you doing today? Jess writes fine. So last night, I ordered takeout and fell asleep reading a new book. What about you? What did you do? Jess watched TV. Let's play a game. If a genie came out of a bottle and going to do three wishes, what would it be? Jess, no reply. Well, how about I go first? Just no reply. How about you? Did I miss something? Huh? There was nothing. How about you? Do you like the beach, Jess? No reply. Miss Lou draws a picture that she loves the beach. So I'm guessing Miss Lou uh, would love to go to the beach. That was her first wish. Wish. So here's wish number two. To eat what I want and not gain a pound. Here's number three, the most important, a happy Jess. Remember this, this will be important later. I'm hoping the last one can be true. Want to try? Jess writes, I guess so. Jess writes for a happy family to go back to Houston and for the people that live under the house to turn into angels and go to heaven. Is this who you think lives under your house? Kinda. Just writes. I see they are flying away. Do you want them to leave? I wish they could. Okay, let's talk about your friend, okay? Just like the previous session. The girl stared into the corner of the room. I swear I could see an entire conversation play out in the child's eyes. Is that your friend in the corner, Jess? What's their name? No reply. Would you tell me their name if I give you a sucker? How about two? One for you, one for them? Once again, Jess looked into the corner of the room. She wrinkled her nose, shrugged, then gave a cutest smile. I gave her the two suckers. She kept one, then gave the other one to her little bear. Can you show me what your friends look like? Maya. Which, you'll see this if you ever go watch the YouTube video. It's a little girl that has hair, has cross, red crosses for the eyes, her mouth has blood, and has really long skinny arms. And it's only the top half. And she has blood running out of the top half, and there's a puddle on the floor. Although this wasn't the creepiest imaginary friend I have drawn, had drawn in my office, I would admit that I found this drawing quite disturbing. Do you f does your friend live under the house? Yes, she lives with the others. Others? How many friends do you think there are under the house, Jess? Ten. Maybe more. Why do you think they live there? No reply. Do you think they... Do they have names? No reply. Do you think 
they want? What do you think they want, Jess? No reply. Are you scared of your friends? Crash! A picture frame fell from the wall. It was located in the same corner of the room. She claimed her friend was occupying, needless to say, it gives us both a good jump. Ha ha! Jess left a short time after. She no longer participated in the further questions. So, ten imaginary friends. This kid has a lot to say, but she's having a hard time finding someone to say it. Hopefully, she will allow me to be that person. If I had a guess, Jess is trying to connect with her father, but he's too busy to notice that his daughter is trying to reach out. For homework, I'm going to have the dad ask questions. Mirror what they was doing, what's happening in the house. Hopefully, the assignment will give me them a chance to make a much-needed connection. I'll call in the later half of the week to get opinions. In the next few days, I'll have my hands full with the new patients. One of them is apparently middle school bully. Wish me luck. And sorry, this tape is a little late, but I think I have rats. Something has snuck into my office and eaten all the candy. End of session two. Hey, John, tomorrow's just appointment. I have a few things I'd like to share, so forgive me if I'm rambling. You and I have seen quite a few disturbing children's drawings. However, after re-examining Jess's imaginary friends, I'm convinced that there's something oddly true about this image. I feel that this drawing is rooted to something the child has seen, perhaps a movie or something. On the news, maybe Dean tried to scare her, or maybe it's possibly as a scary story. I mean, even though the imaginary children's one might represent friends she left behind in Houston. Maybe Maya was her best friend, however the reason may be, there's clearly more going on than just creepy images. Session 3 Hi Jess, would you like to play another game today? Shakes her head in affirmation. Tell me, what do you want to be when you grow up? She drew Dr. Jess. She has a stethoscope, the white jacket. Yeah. Why do you want to be a doctor? To help people. As she writes down. I'm sure you will. Wanting to help people is a wonderful quality to have. So what does Maya want to be when she grows up? She frowned and hung her head. What's wrong, Jess? Notes. Jess once again became fixated in the same corner of the room that captured her attention during previous sessions. Is Maya telling you what she wants to be? She shook her head in negative over and over and over. Emotions became more and more aggressive. And just as I was about to stop, the young girl just picks up a crayon and starts to draw. Maya doesn't get to grow up. Why is that, Jess? I'll be honest, John. I was a little scared to ask the question. Everybody gets to grow up, Jess. Not if they're dead. You think Maya's dead? Yeah. She drew a picture of two people in a car. And Maya is in the trunk. Why is she in the trunk? She doesn't remember. What does she remember? She draws a person in a car crashing into a pole or a wall or something. Can't really tell. And the two people in the driver and passenger seat get thrown out of the car. And then Maya's still in the trunk. But she knows bad people put her there. And in this picture, she draws Maya, you know, again, the top half, all bloody. And then she actually draws the bottom half. Again, the top of the bottom half is bloody. So she was cut into two. Now she lives under the house with her friends. If you don't mind me asking, just what else can you tell me about your friends? They are all very sad. And only I could see them.
Do you play with other friends? Some of them. She draws a picture of all the arms around her. Some scare me. Why is that? Because they want to hurt me and force me to live under the house. Do you think Maya wants to hurt you? No, she protects me. And she drew a picture of Maya wrapping her arms around her and uh, protecting her from others. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Today, time wasn't a friend. I could have used another hour, several. We were finally in a groove. Oh well, there's always an extension. Time's up. Time flies, doesn't it? Before you go, Jess, can you do me a favor for our next session? I, can you tell me more about your friends? Draw them. If you want, Jess says. By the way, they are sorry about stealing all of the candy. Oh. So, Dr. Lou writes to John. I'm sure you will ask, but I don't know how Jess knew I was out of candy. When she first arrived, she was alone for a moment as I spoke briefly by Miss Daniels. Maybe she peeked in the desk. That's likely it. Or the child's talking to her, the dead. Anyways, my conversation with Miss Daniels really extended beyond the session and pleasantries, but I could tell the time that the woman was in distress. She asked a few questions about Maya. I, of course, told her that most children have imaginary friends and that I wouldn't worry. She was also very curious about the Clarks and if they had any children. As far as I know, the Clarks did not. When I questioned her curiosity, she mentioned she found some old toys such as Jess's bear, a toy truck, a few other things. Miss Daniel also mentions that Jess has been taught taking things and hiding them in her room, as well as under the house. I will have to ask her about this on our next session. I'll send you Adam's homework after I had a chance to go through the material. I don't expect to be too impressed. End of session three. Homework. John, the following drawings and notes are the results of the homework I assigned to Adam and Jess. I loaned them an old tape recorder and instructed that they record their questions and comments directed to Jess. Also, I asked them to give me all of their drawings made in response to the questions. I think you'll find the results interesting. Wednesday, night one. How are you doing tonight, sweetie? Fine, I guess. How was the thing with, what's her name, Dr. Lou? Good, we like her. We? You and Mama? Maya and me. Right, Maya, I forgot. So, sweetie, are you looking forward to um school? Not really. I'm scared kids are going to think I'm weird. Honey, why would you say that? Because I am, and I can't talk, and I see ghosts. They're imaginary, not dead, baby. I'm sure Dr. Lou is telling you the same thing. Maya's not real. Of course she is. I can see her behind you. Well, that's kind of creepy. Just right. You hurt me up. Feelings. You made them mad. Now I am mad. Say you're sorry. Fine. I'm sorry. Go clean up after dinner. We'll pick this up tomorrow, okay? Jess marches towards the bathroom. Thursday, night two. How are you? How was your day, Jess? Fun. And she drew a picture of Maya and her playing. Maya read me a story and we played hopscotch. What's wrong, Dad? You look scared. It was just... I have a lot of work to do, baby. Um, go watch TV or play in your room. We'll pick this up tomorrow, okay? Okie dokie. Love you. I love you too, baby. Adam, we'll do the question thing later. Night three. Saturday, no homework. Sunday, no homework. Monday, Carol does assignment for Adam. Daddy had to work late, so we're going to be able to do the homework, okay? Okay, sad face. Your dad loves you, sweetie. He just gets caught up in the wrong things sometimes. I can understand. She nods her head. You think I'll ever hear your pretty little voice again? She shrugs. Sometimes I think you are about packing 
Everything up and taking you and Dean Matthew Houston. You can't do that, Jess says. They will never let me leave. I don't think they'll let any of us leave. Who are you talking about, Jess? Who won't let us leave? I know you've seen them out of the corner of her eyes. Hear things, notice things that aren't there where you left them. Baby, you're scaring me. I don't know who you're talking about. The children under the house. And she draws all of them. We're their family now. And you can't leave family, right? No, baby, you don't. Note, that was the last recording made by the Daniels. There's a lot to unpack here. At times I feel as if she was antagonizing Adam with the drawings, almost like she was trying to push them away to see if he'd stay. Unfortunately, Adam did just as she suspected. My hunch is that Jess probably won't speak until she finally let this world go and accept her parents' problems aren't hers. Speaking of which, I probably should recommend a good marriage counsel for Adam and Carol. All right, John. I'm looking forward to the your thoughts as usual. Talk to you later. End of homework. Conversation. Earlier today, Carol stopped by my office unannounced. She handed me a folder containing additional drawings by Jess. I could tell she had been drinking, but it wasn't to where I felt it impaired her thinking. She wasn't aware that I rec recorded our conversation. Hello, Dr. Lou. How are you? Fine, Carol. What can I do for you? Did we have an appointment? No, I'm here alone. The kids are with Adam for once. God, I feel so damn stupid. I let myself believe it could be true. I'm not following. I'm sorry. I'm kind of all over the place. A part of me is relieved, and the other part is just really worried about this little girl. My little girl. I'm sorry, Carol. I still don't understand what we're talking about. Maybe start at the beginning. Have you looked at the homework? Of course. Well, I let myself believe it. All of it. Just seems so convinced. So sure. I thought... Well, hell, maybe there are dead people living under a house. After all, a kid can't be crazy. Jess is not crazy. She's just a kid dealing with a lot. I started seeing them too, Dr. Lou. Can you explain that? Who did you see? Her friends, I believe, in the afterlife. It's not that big of a stretch, right? There are lots of reasons that could cause this stress, exhaustion. My son has been seeing things, too. Things he can't explain. He's heard the voice of another little girl speaking to Jess, but when he investigates, he always finds her alone. Sometimes he hears kids playing under the house, just like Jess. He said they asked him to come down and play, and I told him never go down there. Thank God he's too scared to step foot down there, but the poor thing is just too scared of his sister, too. Scared to go near her. Most mornings, I find Dean asleep on the floor next to our bed, balled up like a newborn. It's all so hopeless, Doc. You know the bears are her? Ugly damn thing. It smells like something died inside of it. I've seen her with it, Dr. Lou says. We've thrown it away a dozen times and somehow it comes back every time. The bear's name is Mr. Bartleby, by the way. You know, I have a colleague I think could help. Maybe you and your husband could benefit from a session or two. No, I don't think that. I, I know all of this is just in her head. Is something else happen, Carol? I'd say a lot of things have happened, she laughs. I had a whole damn yard dug up every inch, every tree outside the house and underneath. The police even brought their dogs. And you know what? They found nothing. Not a damn thing. Just a box of toys and a few menus from some old restaurant called the Burger Shack. Adam thinks we lost our minds. Honestly, I don't blame him at this point. Maybe we have. I'm just... It's just good to have someone to talk to, you know? If you need... If you need to charge me for this, I don't mind. Nope. It's my pleasure. That's kind of you. Thank you for listening. I need to go and get something to eat. Maybe call the clerks and see if they want their stuff. You sure? I can't call someone for you? Someone else to talk to? Nah. I'd just be going by myself. Adam wouldn't be caught dead seeing a therapist. No offense. Bye.
and Carol leaves. I am very concerned for Jess and her entire family. It's fortunate that Carol was able to let go of the delusion, but it's concerning how quick is she brought she bought into Jess's fantasy. If things continue to deteriorate, we may need child services to step in. Let's speak after this. Talk soon, John. End of conversation. Session 4. Dr. Jewel. Dr. Lou. Hi, John. It's a few hours before Jess in the next section, and just reads a phone call that nobody only shot me, but absolutely made my day. Adam called and requested the contact information for a marriage counselor. He also opened up quite a bit on what is happening in the home. A transcript of a phone conversation between Dr. Lou and Adam Daniels, who is a father. Hello, this is Dr. Lou. Hi, doctor. This is Adam Daniels. You have a minute? Of course. What can I do for you? I know Carol came by yesterday. I'm sure she told you she had the entire yard dug up because she was looking for Jess's imaginary dead friends. I have to admit, this is not the easiest way to say a wrap around my head. I can imagine. When I got home, she was sitting on the couch watching television. She was covered from head to toe in dirt, except for where her tears washed away the filth. That's the moment I knew, Doc. That's the moment I knew I screwed up. And if I didn't do something soon, the only thing dead in this house would be my marriage. Realizing that you need to make a change is an important step, Adam. I hope you're right. If it's not too much trouble, could you um, recommend a good marriage counselor? Sure. I'd be happy to help. I have a friend who I think would be great fit. Thanks. I think I might need to get Dean a few sessions. I'm sure Carol mentioned that he's starting to see and hear things, too. We could start with a session to gauge whether or not he would be benefit from the further visits. Yeah, maybe that might be the way to go. Great. Please hold for a while. Look for the number. and a call. Note. John, this is an incredible step forward. I think... I'd like to think that is something I did, but the likelihood of Carol's recent actions were the tipping point. I'm honestly filled with tremendous amount of hope. Even if I can't save the marriage, they may learn how to cope and keep their problems from spilling on Jess. Jeff arrived for her weekly session right on time. Considering what I have reviewed in the homework and the conversation with Miss Daniels, it surprised me to find Jess in such a chipper mood. Hello, Jess. How are you today? Great, she writes down. And Maya says hi too. Oh, hello, Maya. So what's new with the two of you? No, she opened a Manila folder and handed me notes from her dad. Hi, sweetie. Remember, this is the letter the dad wrote her. Hi, sweetie. I'm sorry about the last few weeks. I'm sorry about a lot of things. I can do better. I will do better for you, for your mom and your brother. I love all of you more than I love myself. And I'm going to start showing you. I'm ready to start believing you, baby. Love, dad. This is great. Jess, so is this why you're in such a good mood? Yeah. And... Dad wants to take us on vacation. We might go to the beach or the mountains. He said Maya can come too. I imagine that makes Maya happy. Either place sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. But I keep my fingers crossed for the mom for the mountains. Did you have a chance to do with the homework? Yep, and Maya helped. John, I thought I'd perhaps to see what she wanted to show me. Which is a bunch of pictures that were handed. It looks like a cheeseburger on with balloons, you know, holding up by one of those middle, middle poles. There's Brad, and someone's offering him a toy. Maya's family. The bad people gave Mr. Bartleby to Mia. That's how she they stole her. There's also Shelly. Shelly was scared until they gave her some medicine. It put her to sleep, and when she woke up, she was under the house. There's Wendy. 
Wendy remembers being dead before she died. Being dead was supposed to be freedom, but it was another trap to trap another person. There's Zach, the boy who burns. Zach doesn't remember his family. Every day was blurry until the last day. Zach was stuffed in a fireplace after his neck was broke. Brad. Brad is the oldest. They put him someplace dark for a long time. They forgot about him and he died. Mark remembers running, but he didn't get far. The last thing he remembers is a loud bang. Then he woke up under the house. Mark from the lake. Kate. Kate is one of the scariest. She has hands for every hand that hurt her. Note, these images are coming from somewhere. I can't believe all this production of her imagination. A young girl shouldn't be able to recall any of these details. So, who are these people in the background? Not everyone under the house wanted to talk. Most can't remember anything, but they are mad because they want to remember. Well, thank you for doing this. Will it be okay with you? Am I if I keep these? Sure, she says. Thank you both, so just... What do you think happened to the voice? That's easy. I gave them my voice for new eyes. It was the only way to see my friends. So you think you'll ever speak again? Maybe. It depends. Happy Halloween. Depends on what? If my friends get to leave. Can I ask you a question? You can ask me anything you want. Maya says you talk to an imaginary friend, too. Who is John? It's why she knew she, we could trust you. John, I never mentioned your name to Jess or her parents. They know I'm interested in writing about their daughter's case, but they have no idea that I'm collaborating with another therapist. I really don't have an answer for how she knows the name. No one else knows about the tape or the book. Frankly, I need to think about this a little more. If I were to state the obvious, then I'm afraid you might... Find my thoughts unprofessional if I'm not crazy, but this case is pushing me into a direction that I'm not comfortable. I'll get back to you sometime at the end of the week. End of session four. The research. John, I know you disagree, but I'm leaving for the library. I have to know if any of this is true. I understand you think there's more a logical explanation. Not rooted in supernatural, but unfortunately, I just don't see it. I have never mentioned your name to anyone connected to this case. Your name isn't written anywhere in my office. It's not even on tapes. And no, I don't voice those tapes in the same locations I see patients. I tend to re-examine these cases at home and edit the tapes in my home office. There's no way Jess could have gotten one. I've gone over every logical suggestion you gave me, and none of them line up. Not one. Look at it this way. If I find nothing, this will be your chance to rub it in. Tell me you told me something. God knows it wouldn't be the first time. But if I do find something, then I'm not sure if I'm the right person to help this girl or this family. John, it took me most of the day. But after going back nearly 10 years, I found what I was looking for. Missing. Brad Landry. Police continue to search for Brad Landry, 8 years old. Have you seen this child, Zach Hardy, 9 Missing. Zach, the boy who burns. Wendy Peterson, eight missing. Please have no leads. Another child missing. Please have no leads. Child abductions on the rise. Ten years of missing children. Fifteen gone without a trace. Kate Jones, taken. Mark Williams, eight, vanished. Merc from the lake, remember? Shelly Cameron, seven, missing. 
One year later, Shelley Cameron's still missing. Dozen of children missing across four different parishes. Said into Mia Martinez's investigation, body of missing girl found in the trunk of known criminals. Oh, my God. Or she read from Search of Youngster 9. She disappeared Saturday at the Kate's Crossing Parish Mall. We looked away and she was gone. Body of missing girl found in the trunk of known criminals. An accident leaving two dead appears to have also ended the life of Mia Martinez. Young girl has been missing since Saturday. Her kidnappers, Ralph Kemp and Jerry James, both frequent residents of the parish penitentiary, crashed into a light pole. Ah, that's the thing. I couldn't figure out what it was, if it was a wall or pole or what. Sunday night, heavy alcohol was likely the culprit. The young girl's body was found in the trunk of the vehicle. It was believed that the child was a victim of a child trafficking scheme. Autopsy results show the girl had a high dose of heroin in her system. So the heroin's what they've been using to, you know, drug them? Oh, wow. Lou. Dr. Lou Sniffles. They're all real, John. They were somebody's children, somebody's babies, but why are they under the house? What are they drawn to, Jess? Were they drawn to Jess? Did the clerk see them too? I understand if you want off this project, John. I know you're uncomfortable. Phone rings. Hold on. Click. Hello? Speaking. What? When? She sniffles again. I understand. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Adam was just murdered. End of research. By the way, Adam is the father. Adam's funeral went like you imagined. I didn't expect a big turnout, though. Apparently, Adam was more popular than I thought. Even the Clarks came by to pay their respects. But I suppose Kate's Crossing has always been a friendly place. Poor Adam. He probably wouldn't agree. Police said it was a carjacking gone wrong. A closed casket funeral. I'd rather not know what the police meant by gone wrong. I feel for Carol and the kids. With everything they've already been through, I imagine the situation seems impossible. I just want to help, but I really don't know. Carol told me in passing that they are moving back to Houston, but she said she just wanted to do one more session before they left. I should be hopeful, but I keep thinking about what she wrote on the homework. They will never let me leave. And do I show Carol the articles and beg her to stay or let them go and hope for the best? And if they go, how do I help the poor children trapped underneath the house? It's just too much, Sean. Too much. I have a week before the session. I'm going to go think it over. Session 5. John, if you get this tape before we speak on the phone, I wanted you to know that I decided to tell Carol about the news articles. And if it was me, I would want to know. It's the right thing to do. Hi, Jess. How are you today? I'm sad. I know, but that's okay. It's not going to be sad when we lose someone we care about. I didn't lose him. He was taken. Do you want to talk about it? She draws a picture of a man shooting her dad in the back of the head. You know, sad part. Oh my goodness, Jess, I'm so sorry. You shouldn't be seeing anything like this, much less drawing. It's okay. Kind of used to it. Is that Shelly in the background? She nods. She liked following Dad. She said the man in the mask seemed familiar. Does she know who that is? The person with the weapon? No, but she heard his voice before. Really? Where? She doesn't remember. Can you ask her again, Shelly? Shelly disappeared a decade ago. That can't be a coincidence. It might be something that connects what happened to her. Also with your dad. She's sorry, but she doesn't remember. Just pieces of things. Jess, I want to tell your friends that I want you to help them. 
but I need information they can give. Can Shelly or Maya ask the others? Anything might help. She starts acknowledging people in different directions. At the uneasy feeling, his room was filled with children. For once, Jess looked in charge. She placed her finger over the list of science, whoever speaking. Finally, she pointed across the room and started writing. Food. They remember hearing people talking. It was loud, but the medicine kept it quiet. It was dark. All of them remembered the dark. Some remember more faces than others. Money. There was always money. The woman was nice. She always brought food. Mark said maybe it was a man. He was nice, too. He brought toys. Thank you, Jess. Everybody. I'll do my best to try to figure this out. You never told me who John was. John is a friend. We went to school together. We worked together for a few years. He lives in Florida now. With his wife and kid, and what Mia had noticed is that I sent him Tate's for our conversation. I was hoping he could help me with your case, and we were thinking about writing a book about you and your friends. So he's not a ghost? No, not yet, anyways. Does that bother you or your friends? Nope. Maya was hoping to meet a new ghost. Someone that could help them move on or something. I'm sorry, I wish I could be more helpful. You know, this is goodbye, right? Yes, your mom told me that you were going back to Houston. I'm going to miss you. I'm not going back to Houston. Why not? Because I'm going to live under the house. The ones I don't remember will never let me leave. I'm going to try to talk to your mom, okay? Thanks, but she's not going to listen. No one ever does. Come visit me if you can. Note, after the session, I had a conversation with Carol. I did my best. You know, Carol's mom. I want to thank you for everything you've done for Jess. Lou says, it was my pleasure, but look, I want to talk to you about Jess's friends. I'm having a bad day hell, a bad month. I let my imagination get away from me. Miss Daniels, they're real. I have proof. What? Th that can't be true. We dug up the entire yard. We didn't find anything. That's because we weren't looking in the right place. Every name she gave me, I found in the paper. She even knew how Ma Maya perished. Then Jess isn't? Jess's problem is, as odd as it might be, say, supernatural. Then it's a good thing that we're leaving. That's what I wanted to talk about. I was hoping you'd consider staying, or at least for a little while longer. Why? I'd like to try and help the children. For that, I need Jess. Also, she doesn't think they're going to let her leave. What does that mean? It sounds like a threat. According to Jess, it might be. Then that's a good enough reason to leave, isn't it? Why would you want to live with someone threatening your little girl? I understand. But this might cause more problems than solve. And then there are other children. Look, I'm sorry about those children. I really am. But I have to worry about my kids first. I'm sure you can understand it. Thanks for everything. If you give me more time, I think I can help everyone. Sorry, Doc. Lou. Time's up. Jess's last session was two weeks ago. The next day, Carol left with Dean and Jess. They didn't get more than two miles away from the house. Then Jess had a violent seizure. Jess hasn't been the same since. She no longer communicates. She just sits in the corner, blankly staring at the wall. Talk later, John. Also, I want to apologize to y'all that my quality of my... Um, podcast is not so great. I have misplaced my microphone somewhere and I don't seem to know where I put it. But I apologize for that. So, good. Review. 
Hey, hello, John. I'm afraid we're going to lose Jess yesterday. She had a fourth seizure. The poor child seemed weaker by the day. Every time the phone rings, I'm afraid it's Carol calling me with the worst. The good news is that Jill, Jess still communicates each morning. I find several of her drawings waiting for me in my office. At least I hope that it's her leaving the drawings. These are pictures in order phones. It shows Jess dead. It's scary where I am. It's like another world here. It's dark and cold. She's dead hanging out with Mia. Dad isn't here. Shelly said he moved on. He went to the light. So I guess it's just her, um, her ghost or spirit, you know? She's just floating outside of her body. Mm. Dad reached out, tried to take her along, but something's kept her. Something's kept her here. Same thing's keeping us all here. They are so confused, they try to remember, but they can't. They're all stuck in a loop that makes no sense. They only recognize pieces of things. Is this going to happen to me? Tell Mom she can leave. I'll be okay. Tell Mom and Dean I love them. Jess is not dead yet. There has to be a way to save this girl, a way to get her soul back into her body. But I know time is running out. I called into the Clarks in desperation. It surprised me to hear they moved back to Kate's Crossing. Apparently, RV life didn't suit them. Miss Clark probably thought I was crazy. I can't imagine people getting expected to get called asking if they've seen ghost children in their home. I gave her Maya's name, Brad, Shelley, Wendy, Mark, all of them. She couldn't recall anything weird ever happening in the house. She was clueless. I must have sounded hopeless. She asked me several times to come to her place. Said we could talk over lemonade. I, of course, declined. I just don't have the time. Just doesn't have the time. This is outside of the realm of my expertise. I probably should call a priest, but I've always been more comfortable behind a stack of books than kneeling on a pew. The following of the notes I accumulated over three days of tenuous research. I never would have imagined that there were so many books dedicated to spirits, ghosts, demons, and afterlife. What creates a ghost? Murder. Especially those that remain unsolved. Sometimes a ghost will never move on until the murder is solved. Best hope of ending this, but who could have done this? Lack of proper burial. Possibly most of the children have never been found. Time loops. Ghosts might be stuck in their lost moment, last moments. Why don't they remember their last moments? Why are these last moments so hazy? Older ghosts may remember less and less of the former lives. What if they've already don't remember? What's left? Is anything left? Emotions? Anger. Possession? Was just possessed? Don't demons possess people? Can ghosts possess people? Is that the case here? No, 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 no. The children are victims too. There's too many questions. Who could have done this? What is the motive? Connection between the kids? How did Ralph Kemp and Jerry James fit in? Were they the killers? Were there others? Heroin? Why are these kids under the Clark house? Is it just a location? Or is it just... Why was Adam killed? What was the motive? What the hell am I missing? I've been racking my head for days. What am I not seeing? Maybe there's a piece of something useful. One of the drawings. Or maybe one of the newspapers. 
body of missing girl found in the trunk of known criminals. An accident leaving two dead appears to have also ended the life of Mia Martinez. The young girl has been missing since Saturday. Her kidnappers, Ralph Kemp and Jared James, both frequent residents of the parish penitentiary, crashed into a light pole late Saturday night. How the alcohol was likely the culprit. The young girl's body was found in the trunk of the vehicles. It is believed that child was a victim of child trafficking scheme. Autopsy resolved that the girl was dosed in heroin in the system. High doses of heroin in her system. And all those pictures I explained to y'all earlier about the burger on the stand, the balloons, the toys, you know, if you put them in order. It's crazy. They were at the burger shack, John. They had to be. Those poor kids and who, who's doing these drawings look like the clerks. Oh my God, it was the clerks. And I've told them everything. I need to call the police, but who's going to believe this? The clerks are the only most potential prominent families in Kate's Crossing. And I can't believe that a child's drawing will hold up in court of law. I need to get Carol and those kids out of that house. I shudder to think what would have happened if I took Mrs. Clark's offers for lemonade. I'd probably be underneath the house, too. The phone rings. Hello? Really? That's incredible news. I'll be right over. And Miss Daniels, I have a lot to tell you. I don't think I can trust the Clarks, but we'll talk more when I get there. Click. She hangs up the phone. John just woke up, and I'm sure you'll hear about this before the get tapes. I'm dropping this in mails away for the Daniels home. If or anything... Or any of us disappeared. It was the Clarks. House call. So many thoughts were racing through my mind as I drove to the Daniels' home. The Clarks, Adam, their children, Jess. Why was she able to wake up now? What changed? Did I do something? Hell. Maybe the ghost just let the ghost go. Maybe she escaped? Why does this feel so easy? And why is it when you have somewhere to be, you hit every red light? It's like something is telling me to stay away. When I walked through the front door, I found Mr. Clark pointing a gun in my face. Jess wasn't awake. They lured me here and had to hit me. Need to guess why. I knew in my heart this was my fault. We were all going to die. Note. John, I know you heard me tell this story a dozen times now, but the following drawing are just encounters of the events. Although she was unconscious for the majority of the experience, Jess was incredibly accurate. The Clark's plan was simple. They were going to shoot us and then burn the place down. You were supposed to leave after your husband died. Why didn't you just leave? We tried, but just got sick. We figured, kill your husband, and we wouldn't have to kill the kids, you know? But now your hands are tied. Jess, I hope you can hear me, because we need your help. We can't leave. Please don't hurt our babies. It doesn't matter. This is on you. What about the other children? Were your hands tied when you kidnapped them? Hurt them? We never hurt a single kid. It was just a business. 
Tell that to the families you're around. You might ha have to pull the trigger or take in a life, but you sent them on their way. You knew what kind of monsters you were feeding them to. And that makes you worse. As nasty as it is, the money saved. I'm alive because of it, and I'm not apologizing for surviving. Even the devil thinks he's justified. That's cute, but I think we've heard enough from you. Shoot him and let's burn this place. Mom, I don't want to die. Close your eyes, baby. Just close your eyes. Tell me, do you remember their names? Little side note. John, I knew I only had one shot to survive this. I need the children to remember. The children were in the house with the Clarks for years, and they never made contact. I needed the Clarks to confess, admit to the crimes, and if the time has thought was taught me anything, people want to validate their actions. You just need to know how to ask. I remember all of their names and faces. You don't forget that. Maya, Mark, Wendy, Shelly, Zach, Brad, Kate, Sue, Wes, June, Linda, Christian, Gladys. Those little faces behind the cages. Nobody wants to see a kid cry. We aren't monsters. Then why did you drug them? Enough! But what? I can't figure out how you know their names. We had this place scrubbed. You shouldn't have gotten that from any box of toys. Toys I thought were destroyed. Simple. The kids told me. Hey, Maya. They remember you. Do you remember them? Yes. We remember you now. Remember everything. You took us. Now we're going to take you. And there's little drawings of the kids reaching out for the clerks. No, we're sorry. The children ripped the clerks apart, then drugged every piece back into the shadows. They left nothing, not even blood. Amazingly, after all that, Jess woke up. The only thing left of the clerks was their gun and their news story. Owners of the beloved burger shack missing. Please have no leads. Please fear the worst in the Clark's disappearing. Clark's vehicle found, but please still have no suspects. No one would ever know what they did except us. And people will probably always remember them as a kindly old couple who owned the burger shack. But accordingly to Jess, they got what they deserved. End of the house call. The last and final session of Jess. It's been two weeks since Jess woke up. Carol said it's no longer felt like the same home. Brighter. Happier. Carol told me they were finally moving back to Houston. Jess had been in a great mood since. But she still had not said a word. I'm wondering if the children took her voice with them. So how are you today, Jess? Great. Are you looking forward to moving back to Houston? Yes, I miss my friends. Your mom said you still aren't speaking. Have you given it a try? She just shrugs and smiled. Well, it's nice to see you smiling. I guess I got my wish. I got a happy Jess after all. I got my wish too. What was that? They're free now. John? Her little voice was the sweetest sound I've ever heard. They're free now, Jess said. We spent the rest of the session playing old board games. We had a good time, and then after, we said goodbye. Like I said, John, this will make one hell of a book, but I'll think... It's a book I can write, at least not now. Maybe one day I'll come back to his case, maybe. Besides, no one will ever believe it. I think it would be better to just let those children rest. 
Sorry to waste your time, John. We can talk it over when I come down. Thanksgiving. End of final session. It's been ten years now since I listened to those tapes. I thought about destroying them, but that doesn't feel right. Like, maybe there's a purpose for them. I just haven't figured it out yet. I followed up with Carol, Dean, and Jess. Carol has a job in some accounting firm. She never remarried. Dean went to college. He's studying finance. Jess seems to be happy, too. She's about to graduate and move to New York for college. She plans to become a medical student. Imagine that. Carol says she doesn't remember Maya or the ghost children. Neither she nor Dean ever bring it up. And maybe neither should I. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was the children under the house. I can give credit, I guess. The Children Under the House, first edition, based on the Vintage 8 Analog Horror Series. The Children Under the House by Paul Cantillonato, independently published. For more analog horrors produced by the Vintage 8, visit www.youtube.com slash vintage8. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Have a good day.